TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome everybody to Guys and a Mike Show. Thank you so much for joining us. TalkZone.com, that is your destination for all your fine internet shows here 24-7, Monday through Sunday, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. I'm not sure what seven times 24 is, but figure it out. That's how many hours of outstanding presentation we have. Our little one-hour sports show is called the Two Guys and a Mike Show. We do the best we can to uphold the fine tradition of the TalkZone.com. I'm reading from a script here, given to me by the Commander-in-Chief, Chris Whitting. I don't write it, I just read it. It's the coach of the big dog with you up until 11 o'clock. Lots of sports to talk about, and of course the award-winning music, which we'll listen to for the next six seconds. Goodness, the Johnny Carson Band, the David Letterman Band. Who's the David Letterman Band? Uh, Paul, what's that guy's name? He's been with David Letterman for ages. Paul Schaefer. Paul Schaefer. They got nothing on us, Big Dog. Our music, I will put it up against any of the top shows out there. Yeah, and considering it's live, that's also really good. Yep. What yep. is the band leader's name, Coach? Uh, for what show? Oh, our, our show? Yeah. Well, uh, Horace Marsalis. He's the younger brother, the lesser-known brother of famous uh, Brantford Marsalis. Oh, that's nice to know. Yeah. yeah. Horace does a heck of a job taping all the music here. It sounds a little redundant. We do need to change it on occasion. Somewhere between dentist office music and we're starting a new game show. I'm not sure which one. I kind of like that, though. That was pretty good. Yeah, put a happy face on me. I wasn't feeling so good. I hear that music. It's a little weird, but it puts a smile on my face. Thank you very much, producer David Olson. Big Dog, I hope you uh, can't see you right now, but I do hope you have a smile on your face. Your beloved Cubs won a thriller yesterday. Life is good. The weather sucks, but life is good. How are you, my friend? Uh I'm, I'm having a pretty good night. Uh, we we had another day with the Stanley Cup because they're coming to an end, Coach. Yep. So we were drinking out of the cup last night as we watched uh, the Chicago Bulls and Derrick Rose uh, put one on the Indiana Pacers last night. Uh, that that was oh my goodness, Coach. You know, I really felt like the Bulls were going to win the whole time, even when they were losing most of the game. But yep. That's some excruciating two first games of the playoffs. We we have a lot in store for us, and I wish I wasn't allergic to bismuth because I can't take Pepto Bismol. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you don't drink Pepto Bismol from the cup, by the way. I li- I li- and I like your vision, your uh, visual, by the way. Drinking from the Stanley Cup while watching the NBA playoffs—that's a nice combo. Well, it's, uh, we have it here because it's only going to be here for a couple days because mm-hmm. it's about to be sent somewhere else. You know, so. Yeah, the, the NHL is going to fly in and grab it from the from the Hawks as they skate off the ice after they lose their fourth game to the Canucks. Might as well use it while the opportunity is there. Yeah, I can't blame you point. at all. And I love I love the visual of drinking it while Derrick Rose is driving the paint. Yeah, oh, not Derek. the best Bulls game. Uh, you know, they come out with a victory. It's almost like 
As you were describing it, like a tug-of-war, Big Dog, you know, you have one of those long, battled tug-of-wars, and you win the tug-of-war, so you're victorious, but every muscle in your body is aching. You look at your hands, and they're kind of bloodied and leathered up a little bit. A victory. Yeah, yeah. And, and if it's a group one, you got a big, fat dude laying in your lap, and you're laying <laughs> in between the legs of another fat dude. Yeah. Yeah, the winning tug-of-wars don't do you any. Yeah, no, no. Afterwards, you're like, was it worth it? Yeah, there's a fine line between winning and losing when you got a fat dude in front of you and behind you, huh? And they're laying, and everybody's laying between everybody's legs. Yeah. So I mean, there's, <laughs> that's why there's really never been no team leagues of tug of war. Mm-hmm. It takes a special kind of guy to be able to do it, and then after they realize what they've done, they've realized they've crossed the line. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, I haven't been in a lot of tug of wars. I've been in a because few. Look at you and be like, hey, let's get Stop this guy it. in our tug of war team. Stop it! Stop it! <laughs> Uh, but, but I've seen some in the athletic con- competition, and I haven't been in one for a while, but let's see if you're with me here. I think one of the greatest, how do I put this, examples of intestinal fortitude, character, uh, refusal to lose inner toughness is, is when you're in, a, in one of those battles where you know, the first 5, 10, 15, 20 seconds, nobody wins. Nobody has that. Usually somebody wins the first 5, 10, 15 seconds. This is, I'm talking team competition. And now, yeah. you know, it goes on for 30 seconds, minute, minute and a half. If any of you out there have been in a tug of war, you know that it doesn't sound like much, but in a minute and a half into a tight, you are aching and just, you're pressing. And what I'm talking about here, though, big dog, is the temptation. Well, you got 18 other teammates. I am dead tired. My muscles are hurting. I can let go a little bit, and it's not going to hurt my team. But but to be able to not fall into that trap and still – and nobody would notice, by the way. Nobody would notice if your team lost because you let up a little bit, right? Yeah. But you keep on fighting, 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 refusing to give in. I think that's one of the ultimate signs of uh, inner toughness and great character. Yeah, it's uh... – some of the greatest things I've ever seen are those stories about like the the, the tug of war battles that go on for like eight hours and stuff. Yes, oh, I never. <laughs> That's just insane. Eight hours. Well, there was a. Do you remember the old uh, television show they did just for a couple of years? It was after the Super Bowl, during the Pro Bowl in Hawaii. They would have the Super Bowl uh, players that had competed. Those those players would compete in games against each other. So like the, the Vikings and the Steelers. You're talking about like the Superstars Challenge or something yeah, like that? Yeah, it was yeah. like that. They did it yeah and it was only the it was only the Super Bowl combatants, the mm-hmm. players that had been in that. Well they did a tug of war. Yep. Coach, it lasted like two hours between the oh. Steelers and the Vikings. Oh. It, it, I've seen like a half-hour special on it. It was one of the most interesting things I had ever seen. <laughs> and the Vikings eventually won. And they were like, some of the guys were like, they beat us in the Super Bowl. And after the first just a little bit of that, I realized that there was no way I was ever going to let go of the stroke because <laughs> I, I, I was so upset about them beating us in the Super Bowl. Uh-huh. So we went after the guys were pulling on it for like two hours before the Steeler guys finally gave in. <laughs> Mental toughness, that's what it is. You gotta fight through the pain. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No. Oh. I'm a Steeler guy, I'd be like, listen, we just want the Super Bowl. Let's quit pulling on this thing. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, <laughs> so. without getting too philosophical, that's probably why they won the Super Bowl. The fact they didn't give up. Yeah, good point. Yeah, thank you very much. All right. Our phone number out there, you want to check in. We'll talk NBA playoffs. We got a lot of baseball action to talk about. The Boston Marathon was yesterday. I didn't even know about it. I'm quite, uh, quite upset with our producer, David Olson, and, uh, any of the interns we got wandering around the place, assistant producer, Randy Meyer. Nobody, 
Nobody letting me know that one of the great sporting events in the country, if not the world, was taking place yesterday. We'll talk a little Boston Marathon. Yes, Joe. Considering that they, they disallowed, I mean, it wasn't really that big of a deal. It was a wind-aided marathon, Coach. What's the big deal? Well, it's 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 a great athletic contest, one of the great traditions. Oh, so what? The guy had the wind at his back. Is that oh, harder yeah. run twenty six point two yeah. miles with the wind at okay. your back? Okay, Mr. Sports Talk host is sitting in his pajamas at home <laughs> doing one hour of sports talk radio. Hey, I'm doing this show on my feet, coach. Yeah, I'll bet. And you walk to school uphill both ways back in your younger years, right? Well well no, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm a fit man. By the way, okay. a couple of couple of Kenyans won again, but close, yeah. close. The United States women, a woman, woman or woman, a woman. A w- yeah, I don't. I don't think they gave it that the winner was two women. Desiree Devilia almost pulled it off for the USA. Two seconds behind the eventual champion, it came right down to the wire in both the men's and women's race. Very few things in sports, big dog, as exciting as a dead sprint. Down the final stretch at the end of a 26.2-mile marathon. That's pretty good. Yeah, absolutely, because that isn't just speed at that point. It, it, it's also just, oh. you have something left. Oh. You know, So it isn't just like watching somebody for 100 meters when you know they have everything in them. Very yeah. much like uh, producer David Olson has to do with us at the end of our show for marathon runners, the ability to, to um, handle paint. To fight on through pain is a very underrated part of being a big-distance runner because I guarantee you those last five miles, four miles, that dead sprint there, I mean, they are in physical pain. It's the ability to withstand and fight through that pain. That's a big part of your winner right there. So the guy that won ran it in two hours and three minutes, and they disallowed the record because of, like I was saying, the win aided. I don't get that because it's not like don't they run – it's not like they run in one direction the whole time. They're turning and doing all kinds of stuff. Does that mean that the other half of the race, it was, yeah. you know, it, the wind hurt them? I Con- don't, I don't understand the whole wind aided thing with the- Confused me as well. We checked in with our weather experts, the Notre Dame uh, football staff and their, uh, weather people and they, they, they agreed with the Boston Marathon people. The record should not count. Why would you say Notre Dame coach? I just had to throw that in there. Based on the topical information today, we'll talk about that story as well. Oh, but, yeah, uh, I know. Yeah. That's. Yeah, can, yeah. Can, can we throw congratulations to Jeffrey Mutai from Kenya, the men's winner, and he only won by four seconds over uh, Moses Mosam. Okay, so 123 minutes is what it took those guys to do it in. Yep. So, you know, 26 miles, 123 minutes, that's basically four minutes. Oh, it's unbelievable. They were doing it. So, I mean, basically what somebody thought was, Absolutely. I mean, I mean that's that's just unbelievable, Here, Coach. Here's the best way to describe it. But it is unbelievable. The and I don't know if it's four minutes. I I don't want to do the math, but okay, well, uh, 123 divided by 26. So 26 times four ends up being. I mean, they, they were he was running less than four minute miles. Is the best way to put it. No, he's not. I don't think so. Again, I hate doing math before noon, but that doesn't sound right. 26.2 miles. David, give me a calculator. 26.2. If he does it at 4 minutes and 30 seconds, which is an unbelievably fast mile, even a 5-minute mile is huge. It's got to be around 4.5. They can't be averaging okay, yeah, yeah, under yeah, 4 yeah, minutes like per four mile. But what I, it's just incredible. But the best way I can describe it, dog, you and me could be sitting and resting in a beach chair for 25 miles. They could be running 25, 2 hours of running. You and me could join them for the final mile fresh, 
and the two of us are in decent shape, not great shape, but decent shape. And we run the one mile, and he runs his last mile after 25, and he still beats us by about a minute. Good coach, if I trained as hard, the best that I've ever run a mile, and I ran a mile in five minutes and 30 seconds That's once. pretty good. If I, But I was training something totally different. But if I trained for the mile mm-hmm. in the next year, and if I trained as hard as I possibly could, and you know me, I would, okay? I, don't, I think I eventually could break five minutes in the mile. Mm-hmm. And uh, because I am more of a sprinter, but which would still be slow than what that dude did twenty six point two consecutively. <laughs> I bet you got somewhere yesterday we talked about with the the start of Passover. Happy Passover, by the way, to our we won't pass over Jewish brethren there that we uh, we we found out through your family tree. The roots dig deep in the uh, Radwanski family tree. You got a little Jewish brethren, Jewish blood in you. I would bet. Have you ever extended the branches a little bit? Possibly a little Kenyan blood in a Joel Redwanski? Oh, like, like I said, we have a little bit of everything. Okay. Yes. And we actually, believe it or not, it, it's funny that you said that because the Jewish people <laughs> yeah. are Kenyan. Say what? At least half of them are. The other, a quarter of them are Chinese and the other quarter are actually from Israel. Ladies and gentlemen, historian Joel Redwanski, our guest on today's show. Uh, help me out again. Most or over half? Kenyans are Jewish, is that what you said? No, 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 of my descendants. Okay. Half of my Jewish descendants are from Kenya. Ah, half of your Jewish, I didn't know you'd had that many Jewish descendants. Of course, I have a large family tree. I thought it was like one guy named uh, named Oscar that was a member of the other, uh, you got more than one in your in your family yeah. tree? Yeah. That's a beautiful well, thing. Rosenthal. That's a, we, we, may a have, we may have to break matzah someday, big, big guy. I didn't know the two of us are that close. Uh, we, we, we can do all that. Shalom. Okay. All right. Beautiful. Uh, all right. Boston Marathon is out there. We'll talk about that as well as uh, the baseball and the basketball. Again, our phone number if you want to join us, 888 If you want to question Joel's heritage, national historians out there, feel free to do that. Again, the phone number, 888-463-6748. I was going to start off with Cub, but Big Dog, it sounds like you got bulls right smack in the front of your mind. They do go ahead to zip. The bottom line, you know, in these bracketed tournaments is survive and advance. It wasn't pretty, but um, W at the end of the night. Yeah, and quite honestly, now all of a sudden, like, you get the buzz and the feel after the game because everybody knows the bulls are number one and and in a way, it does seem like they're playing a little tight coach, playing like, oh, we're the favorite and we're supposed to win and not just going out there and playing their style. Or maybe the Pacers are just that good that they're they're uh, messing with the Bulls. But, you know, it's the NBA playoffs, and it isn't supposed to be easy. And so all of a sudden now people are like, well, Miami looks great. They look unstoppable. And maybe it is true that they were going to find everything by the playoffs. And now everyone's – Everyone's putting the spotlight back on uh, on Miami. You know what's going to happen, coaches. Miami's going to blow them out. Mm-hmm. Four games that aren't even close. The Bulls are going to have close games against Indiana. Really learn how to play close games. And Orlando, they'll have a blowout or two in that series, but there's going to be a bunch of close playoff games in there. They, the Heat might just run right over the Celtics right now, it looks like. I don't know. That's I'm getting that feeling. And when the when the Heat have to play the Bulls, they will have not played t- uh, close games. I, I'm I'm loving how this is looking right now. Yeah, you're getting you're getting ahead of yourself just a bit because of, well, first of all, the Celtics and the Knicks have only played one game. 
So let's not <laughs> let's not hand that series to Boston. Well, Chauncey Billups is not going to play tonight, Coach. Oh, so it's, that basically means two nothing Celtics. What did he injure himself watching the Boston Marathon? Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid so, Coach. Yeah. Well, if you go with David Olson, our producer's theory, give him a little bit of Pete Moss, and he'll be fine for tonight's game. Pete Moss will cure him. What's wrong with Chauncey Billups? Uh, he's got an ankle. See that? Actually, he has two of them. If he just soak it in peat moss, he'll be fine. That's better than Epsom salt? No, no, no. Peat moss. It's a solution to all your needs. Yeah. Uh, well, I would say in response to what you talked about with the Miami Heat and the Bulls, I would say from a Bulls fan standpoint, good. Good. Get the pressure off the Bulls. Let everybody yeah. start thinking the Miami Heat is the team to beat. I think uh, in the long run, Big Dog, that's going to be a good thing for the Bulls. Yeah, yeah, that, that's what I'm saying, Coach. And I didn't mean to get ahead of ourselves because, like I said after game one, hey, let's appreciate the journey. Mm-hmm. But I, I see, like, the media focus, which which all of a sudden was blasting the Bulls, is like, wow, Derrick Rose is incredible. The team's going to win. And all of a sudden, now it seems like it's, uh-oh, Miami's good again. And I like that. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah, Let, Car- Carlos Boozer had a nice ball game, 17.16 rebounds. Pretty did he, impressive. Did he though? I mean, how, how good of a game do you do? You yeah, not, that, I agree with you. Not as good as the numbers. Yeah, Miss- I mean, didn't it seem a little weird? Like he, but, but you have to be there and clear the rebound. But didn't it seem like he just seemed that nobody was around him and the ball bounced to him? And um, it's like- to a certain extent, I was going to say the rebounding part of it. I thought he was, you know, not great, but pretty darn good on rebounds. The, uh, 17 points, you know, came the hard way. And he missed a lot of shots as well. And he missed a lot of free throws. Coach, oh, for goodness. some reason, when somebody has perfect form and they miss free throws, I'm like, come on, man, hit your free throws. Well, when you have bad form yeah. and you miss your free throws like Carlos Boozer, it's, that's one of the most irritating things you can watch as a fan in a playoff game is just give points away. He leans to the side and then fades away on a shot. Mm-hmm. Why would you make a shot more difficult at any point in time? You know how I get I go crazy about that, like when it's a game-winning shot and people make it more difficult when they should try to do the Michael Jordan mm-hmm. and do it as fundamentally sound as you possibly can. But uh, that does it drive you crazy as a coach, Coach? It does, and I agree with your theory. Uh, you know, if you got a unique style and it works for you, that's fine. But if you got bad form and it doesn't work for you, change your form. You know, extend your arm up like coaches tell you and follow through the little the little J-hook at the end of your shot. You know, again, assuming it's not working for you, but I'm not sure. I agree with you. Carlos Boozer, I think, for the most part, good free throw shooter has good form. It was clear last night, Big Dog, you know from playing sports, some days you just feel it and some days you could tell he just did not feel comfortable shooting. I don't know much about about like the technique and teaching of that stuff in basketball as I would in football or baseball. But I do know this: you might be right about how his release with his hand and but he tilts his body. When you watch right before he shoots, he his whole body will lean to the left, yeah. and then when he releases, he's fading away. Uh, always or yesterday? I would definitely yesterday, That's and I'm thinking my point. always because I mean uh... when I because I've been complaining about this for the last couple of weeks. All right. I, I've never seen him. I've always thought his form, you know, is somewhat decent. He just looked uncomfortable. And I think the fact that he had no feel, of, you know, then he was trying to do, like, different things with, with his body action. Because it was. Watching him shoot free throws last night was painful. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah. It was bad. Yeah. But, uh, you know, on the fallaway jump shot, I'm not a big fan of that either. You know, go uh, up. 
Yeah, you do that when at the when there's no time left on the shot clock and you're a, a bigger guy is guarding you and mm-hmm. you have to get the ball over him somehow. So that's like your last ditch effort. Yep. That should not be it. Hey, let's let, let's come up with a shot that is very difficult that I really don't need ever. <laughs> uh, 96-90 was the final score. Bulls do pull it out. I do want to thank, by the way, I do want to thank Derek Rose for listening to the show. If Derek Rose does not listen to our show, whichever of his uh, brothers, family members pass the word on, because uh, I appreciate it. I honestly, truly appreciate him listening to my advice, Big Dog. He didn't have to, but he took it. You watched Derek Rose play yesterday. To me, it was a, a slightly different style Derek Rose, but the kind of guy that I've been asking for. He scored 36 points, but if you watch the game, he passed the ball. Yeah, yeah, he he rotated it too. He did. Yes. Yeah, like, which like I've never seen. He caught and passed at least at least four times yeah. in a row on consecutive possessions. Remember, we specifically way, so. brought up yeah. that point. We're going to watch that, and, I, and I, I'm glad you remember to do it, Big Dog. The fact when the balls passed back to him, I, I quit doing it at that point. I quit counting because I was just too. Yeah, busy but he but he was you know he game. picked and chose his times to uh, take over and to. Uh, you know, force the action, which he's great enough to do, but a lot of times he rotated the ball and passed it. Now, he didn't shoot particularly well yesterday, but that no, style of play from Derrick Rowe, if he plays that style, Big Dog, all will be good in love and war. Yeah, and and maybe the the, the team will be a little bit more successful because yep. they they stood around a lot yesterday. Force of habit. There ha- maybe there hasn't too much uh, Rose dominating the ball because yeah. – I, their offense has been abysmal in this series. Yep. Only thing that has saved them on their offense is their desire and their heart and their attitude, which that's why they're easy to watch, Coach, because when they're not executing, which they haven't offensively, at least they get every single offensive rebound that is possible, possibly available, and at least they turn horrible shots into like putbacks. So that was pretty tough last night. They shot 34% from the field and they won. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's not supposed to happen, but I guess if you, I would, well, how many offensive rebounds did they have, coach? At least like twenty-five. Kept a bunch alive. Joakim Noah leading the way, but they kept a bunch alive. That's what you got to do when you're not shooting well. Crash yeah. the offensive boards, create some opportunities. Indiana playing very well. It's been a good series so far. The guy I mentioned yesterday that I was shocked to see almost had the big one. I was doubly shocked yesterday. I really didn't really get a chance to watch game one, but I did watch yesterday's game. Jeff Foster. Not only is he odd-looking and still playing in the NBA, I think he's on his, he's the mini Minosa of the NBA, like at his fifth decade. What I was shocked about, Big Dog, is he can play. He's oh, a pretty decent coach. player. In fact, down the stretch, it was him in the game and not their starting center, Roy Hibbert. He's actually not a bad big man. Oh, all I know is this. Is the guy is out there just to be a pimple on your butt. Yeah. Every once in a while, he irks you and irks you. He's going to give you six points, and it just drives you crazy mm-hmm. that that guy even scores at all. And he's actually got a better haircut than, and this is a, not a good, it's like, you know, the loser wins, but he's got a better haircut than his fellow center, Josh McRoberts. I don't know what happened to Josh since his Duke days, but. Uh, By the way, were you were you watching the game on TNT? Or no. Or were you watching it on, okay. I went How st- many times did Neil Funk call Josh McRoberts Mike Dunleavy or uh, or Tyler Hansborough during the game. Didn't catch that. But I had my hearing aids out, so that might be the explanation. Whoa. I love you, Neil Funk, but you can't tell white people apart. <laughs> Come on, Neil. <laughs> Come on, buddy. You're a little better than that. Yeah. And by the way, I mean, it's, it's, the, how good 
the broadcast hour with Neil Funk and Stacey King. Yep. I, I mean, we, we're really lucky in the city of Chicago. Pat Foley is phenomenal. Yep. You know, and uh, uh, Neil Funk and Stacey King are just incredible. You know, so we're, we're pretty lucky. And then I also sl- have a... I'm not a White Sox fan at all, but if you are a White Sox fan, I could see how you would absolutely love Hawk Harrelson. Well, but I, I don't. I don't. First of all, a special kudos to Scotty Pippen, too, who's helping out in the booth there, too. Scotty. He needs to, to Scotty liven up a little bit. Show yeah. some excitement. No, no, That's no, Scotty. No, no, That's Scotty that. being no, no, Scotty. No, forget that. He is on television. And don't act bored. Everything he says is right. <laughs> he is right. Okay? But, yeah, well, he he can say the the stuff he's saying is absolutely phenomenal, and it comes off as blah, 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 blah. He's, he, he, there's no need for him, coach, if he's going to act bored while he's on there. He is not an announcer. He's Scotty Pippen, and he actually you're right. I mean, he obviously doesn't have the voice and enthusiasm that some of the announcers no, he, have. But he if you listen, the voice he needs just to be like, hey, let's <laughs> the Bulls in the playoffs. This is great. Let's talk about it. Not like. Yeah, this is what the Bulls need to do. Yeah, you think, Scotty, you're exactly right, but you put me to sleep. Too fast, too good, too strong, too good. I'm not saying he has to have a stick, Coach. Yeah. We already have Stacey King. He has the stick. Let Lots him, of stick. Let him go with it. Yeah. How about how about in the first Derrick Rose uh, drive to the basket where he went uh, spun, little off-balance Ooh. finger roll, Stacey King? Look, the game. Give me a little butter with that roll. <laughs> <laughs> He's, uh, I mean, th- th- that was the first points of the game, by the way. And that's, that was good. Uh, one of my favorite things is, uh, three minutes, ten seconds to go in the game. And Neil Funker says, okay, this is Derek Rose's time of the game. He's about to take over, folks. He just mm-hmm. flat up does it. Just, and that's exactly what happens. And then Neil calling out Derek Rose for passing the ball to Luol Bang. You know what I'm talking about, coach? Did you? Well. I was like, Neil, Neil, just. <laughs> you're not you're not Tom Thibodeau. Just call the game. You're the announcer. <laughs> you know, really, I was like, Neil Funk really wants the Bulls to win the championship, coach. It's it's, it's, it's great to hear. Like your home announcer in his voice, getting a little carried away. You can understand that. So well, it's, it's the NBA loves, playoffs. He loves the Bulls, and I love how. I mean, you really have to have like that fine tuned ear, like me. Mm-hmm. He, you you don't notice how much of a homer he really is, but I mean, he is dripping. He bleeds Chicago Blue Red. <laughs> All right, so. 888-463-6748, the phone number. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick, check it in from beautiful downtown Oak Brook, Illinois. It's caller Pete checking in, Big Pete. I just wanted to say that I don't know why they have Scotty Pippen on there at all other than an ambassador, but in terms of an announcer, ridiculous, just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, Pete, he does say some intelligent stuff. Would you Would you agree with that? Well, I do, but, you know, he's almost pulling a Jaime on people. You know, it's just ridiculous. What's a Jaime? A Jaime is just a craziness. you got to be kind of crazy to be a Jaime. <laughs> okay. Well, it, you know, to Scotty Pippen's credit, uh, and maybe he takes this to the extreme, he certainly doesn't try to take over or dominate the broadcast. He knows well, he, his role. Yeah, he can't. He can't. There's mm-hmm. no way. Stacey's yeah. great. Uh, Neil's great. But uh, Scotty, I guess, obviously, part of the ambassador's deal is to come in there and mm-hmm. muck up the announcing a little bit. So, mm-hmm. it's just my opinion, but great show. First time listener. Uh, appreciate it. And now, now, Pete, now, do you watch other announcers in the city of Chicago, and how would you rank, like, Chicago's announcers? With, well, with the, worst announcers are, the worst announcing is the Sox radio, <laughs> Farmer and them, but... That's the wor- that's the bad end of the spectrum. So yeah, the, you know what? I listen to baseball games, even as a diehard Cub game. I listen to 
White Sox games too. I haven't listened this year, but yeah, Farmio has a little bit of angry old man in him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, Garrett Jackson, you know, he's glad he took that radio gig because he was talking tough when Stoney came to town. But the reality is, he's lucky to have a gig. So. <laughs> I, I, I like Darren Jackson better with uh, Ed Farmer than I do with Hawk Harrelson. In the brief moments I turned over to the White Sox game yesterday, Big Dog and Pete, you know, Hawk Harrelson and Steve Stone, Hawk in particular, he can be pretty good when things are going good, but when things are bad, you know, they're down 5 nothing in the 5th inning, 6th inning, 7th. Oh, yeah. the, the moments of silence are more. I mean, he, he just shuts down when the Sox aren't doing well. They yeah. haven't, he hasn't done that this year. Now, he did he last do, night. Uh, do you watch the, the games, White Sox games? Unfortunately, too many of them. I have, I have, see, I haven't been watching the games when the leads have been blown. What have uh, Hawk Harrelson been saying when uh, Matt Thornton has been blowing up leads? Well, early. He's saying it's early, but I don't think it's that early. <laughs> okay, I got you. Right, well, listen, I'll, I'll hang up and listen to you guys. Appreciate it, Pete. Oak Brook, Pete, check it in. You can, too. 888 The phone number. Yeah, it's early. And switching over to baseball a little bit, Ozzie Guillen, Big Dog, has done a very nice job for the White Sox of uh, maintaining composure. Not showing panic. He knows his team's going to hit the ball, so I don't, I don't know if that's a good thing. Maybe he should be a little more fiery, but he's making a conscious effort to stay calm amidst the storm. Yeah, that, uh, that's pretty cool because uh, when uh, last week when there was some games blown, Ozzy let off some steam, and he basically let people know he was upset. But yep. I guess uh, so. walk around every day like that isn't going to do anybody any good, mm-hmm. and they have to get the, get this figured out. And maybe the White Sox are this type of team that, I mean, I don't think you could, you definitely can't win a World Series this way. You can win a division this way, but you know their offense isn't like if basically if they're if they're going to score like two or three runs in a game, they're not going to win anyways. And there's going to be games where they won't be able to move runners over and do all that. So they're just going to have to score eight runs a game to win, Coach. And in the summer, they're going to be able to do it. Well, hopefully. Hopefully, you're right. When it's warm, they're going to start hitting the ball. They were up against David Price last night. Anka score eight runs against him. Edwin oh. Jackson has been very, very good. Gives up, uh, what, three runs in the first inning. So right away, you're up, uh, up against the eight ball. That's not the way you want to start the game. Tampa Bay wins it five to nothing. After the first inning, Jackson pitched decent, big dog, but you don't want to get behind uh, David Price. That's uh, You're cruising for a bruising right there. Yeah, and not against a team that uh, has been really swinging the bat great as of late. Mm-hmm. You know, not only are you down three, you you know that they have a chance to yeah, and you, to you, pull more you, on. You know who's been the Tampa Bay star? Oh, well, I absolutely know, and you know I love this guy when he was a Chicago Cubs. Yeah, even absolutely. though I give him Sam Fold. Thank you. you. Know how much I love that kid, Coach. All he does is everything right. Everybody tells him, "Well, you're too small. You're mm-hmm. too this. You're too that." Well, all he does is play fundamentally sound, and he makes great play after great play after great play. Oh, and by the way, he's just swinging an unbelievable bat. He's hitting around 350 right now. I think higher. I know, it, it, it probably is higher. I think than he's that, up coach. to like three. I think he's late in the American League, like 390. Okay, because yeah, he did go four for four yesterday. Yeah. So his average has been soaring. I know there's going to be very little power, but he's the type of guy you put at the top of your lineup. And you know he's going to be a pest all year long for pitchers all around the league. And, uh, oh, and by the way, you put him in any position in the outfield, mm-hmm. and you have an upgrade defensively Making no matter where you put him. Great, great catches. I think David Price, the pitcher, came up with the famous line, the ultimate compliment to the outfielder. He said the old expression, 
75% of the earth is covered by water, the other 25% by Sam Fulton. I mean, the guys play it unbelievable out there. And even Jim Hendry, the Cubs general manager, he was interviewed, and you could just see in his face, even though they traded this kid, that he had a smile on his face. He genuinely was happy that a good guy like Sam Fold, who so many people thought was a bit player, all of a sudden is becoming a major league star. Great story. And, uh, Coach, just to let you know, do you know who Sam Fold's favorite player was ever in the history of baseball? I believe Chico Cardenas. The Chico Cardinal was definitely one of them. Jose Cardinal too, because he he could really go get him. But it was it was Ron Santo, ah. and the reason why it was Ron Santo is Sam Fold uh, is a juvenile diabetic. Ah, so Sam Fold is the type of guy that has to be in between innings go and get shot up with insulin, and he's playing with that type of stuff just the mm-hmm. way Ron Santo was. Okay, and so Sam Fold is a real special human being, Coach, and yep. it's too bad that he isn't in the Cubs clubhouse They anymore. debuted at very – I'm going to get this for you, Big Dog. I'm going to have one sent to you. But uh, Len Casper, who they got they got some T-shirt deal going on this year because the Cubs announcer, uh, every game I've watched now is like displaying different T-shirts. But the one he had on yesterday was Passion, P-A-S-S-I-O-N. Inside the I-O is a big circle, and the I-O is written like a number 10. Uh-huh. So it's Passion with the 10 – signifying Ronnie Santo, and then the little Cubs logo over. Pretty cool. Oh, that's really cool. I don't know if I explained that vision well enough. but uh, No, 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 I I got it. I got it. Okay. By the way, we're talking about announcers. Speaking of Len Casper, and David Olson, if you want to, uh, for your own, you don't have to play it for us, but for your own private enjoyment, maybe you and the wife might want to do this uh, after putting the kids to sleep tonight, but Len Casper singing the seventh inning stretch yesterday. Uh I don't know if the regular guy was not scheduled, but... He was the take me out to the ball game guy. Uh huh. Heck of a voice, big dog. Heck of a voice. He might have been the best singer I've heard yet. And he had the uh, what did he have? Some kind of uh, Tom Skilling autographed poncho blanket on. And he was showing <laughs> he he was showing a, showing a little bit of leg as he said. I was attracted to a Len Casper. Beautiful rendition of Take no. Me Out to the Ball Game by Lenny. I, I don't want to bash Len Casper. I said. Well, there's nothing to bash. He's a, I really feel like I can do his job better than he does. He's a, he's a good announcer. He can sing. There's nothing to bash. You know, him and Bob Brentley have like a like a, a band. They play music together and like sing and stuff. Okay. You realize that? No, I, I don't. I actually did. Bob, yeah, Brem- uh, Bob Brentley. Sing- they've done their own version of "Take Me Out to the Ball Game." Okay. I honestly was unaware of that. So Lenny Casper actually has some singing. Backward. I don't know about credentials, but you uh-huh. don't remember the commercial for last season where it was him and Brenly playing the guitar, take me out to the ball. No. And they were like rocking out like in, you can tell it's a WGN studio. Okay, I have not seen those. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so the guy thinks he can sing. Mm-hmm. So. Well, that, that almost takes the fun out of it. Now he's actually exactly. a, a semi-professional. All right, well, you know, cancel the last minute and a half of this show. Um, <laughs> now, as long as we're talking announcers here, too, I don't know how much Cub baseball you've listened to. I've shockingly uh, actually watched more than I usually do the first yeah. three weeks of the season. But I'm, this, I'm in the same exact boat. Okay. And normally it's, I, get, I have more radio than yeah. television because I don't – I, I love Cub radio. I mean, I don't care – if it's the last game of the season, they're 100 games out. I mm-hmm. will listen to Cub baseball for some minutes. Like, okay. I don't know. It's like it transforms me back to, you know, driving around with my dad listening to Cub yes. games. You know? No no better sport to listen to on radio than baseball. Absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah. would you uh, would you semi-agree with me that Bob Brenly, not bad, and I love Brenly and Casper together, but this year, 
This year only, Bob Brumley, a little bit off his game. I almost feel like he's distracted. I don't think there's conflict with Lem, but I just, I, not as sharp, not chiming in quite as much. I'm not feeling the love like I have the other years. Maybe he's looking for a managerial job. I, I just feeling that a little bit. I don't know if you've noticed or not. I, I have not at all, Coach. Okay. I really have not. And this, this might seem, I guess the best way for me to tell you this is I am typically doing something. When I'm watching Cub baseball. Okay. Okay. So, but, and a lot of times I'll be watching the game and I won't hear a word they're saying mm-hmm. for some reason. And when, uh, and then the other half of the time, there's 10 people in my house and when we're watching the Cub game, we don't hear a word they're saying. Well, why don't you watch the game and put the other nine people to work? Let them do some of the housework. You know, I'll you... try that out, coach. Yeah. I'll You're... try it. I, I'm not excited. Expecting it to actually be successful, but I am going to try. Hardworking guy like yourself, you should be able to sit down on the couch, watch the ball game, and let some of those freeloaders earn their pay. Heck yeah, I put in like twenty hours last week. Absolutely. Heck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fifteen of them were doing this show. You know. oh, this is hard work. The pre-preparation yeah, was, was waiting to go to work. Yeah. That's uh, actually, I didn't even put that many hours working. No. No. You still selling vacation packages? Oh, I'm still doing that, Coach. Okay. That is doing really well. I mean, if you want to go someplace in the world and want to do it for the rest of your life mm-hmm. really inexpensively, you've got to talk to me. All right. I had some guy the other day come up to me trying to sell me a package, but it wasn't vacation. Did you go for it? No. No, no, no. Definitely was not vacation. It was a problem. Uh, 888-463-6748. Give us a call, folks. Talk to sports. Big dog at a coach. Talkzone.com. Phone lines are open. We'll get you right on. Talk a little baseball here. NBA playoffs. We'll jump off the sports page as well. Your Chicago Cubs, big dog, forgetting about the announcers for just a minute. More importantly, on the field, a thriller last night. They win it in 10 innings. Freezing, freezing cold. Every fan that was at the game, uh, part absolutely nuts and part incredibly loyal Cub fans, but they pull it out one nothing. I don't know if you saw the final hit, but it was exciting. Tyler Colvin with Rip City right down the right field line. Yeah, and you know, you know they had to have uh, the right fielder miss uh, miss the line. If Giovanni Soto can score from wow. first on a double. Gio was in full, uh, he was in full gallop mode. Coach, you know, the, legitimately that may have been one of the slowest the home I have ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> Oxygen! Hector Villanueva was like, man, that guy is slow. Yep. Yeah, I thought there was no way that he was going to score on no, that. No, I didn't either. And that then was... and then Len Casper's talking about it. Soto might try to score. My first thought was, wait a minute, was he on second base? <laughs> That's what I thought. Yeah, and then the kid missed the cutoff, and I see Alfonso or yeah, Soriano running towards Soto, realizing the run was going to score, and uh, I'm jumping up and down in my family room at 5:45 this morning when I was watching the tenth inning. You know, it's, uh, it's, who, I don't know who the Padres had in right field at that point. Yeah, it was a, yeah. Uh, the kid who came off the bench, not yeah. a kid, veteran player, but. Uh, well, I'm not okay. Well, whoever it was, because I have to admit I was watching the Bulls game at that point, but I knew it wasn't the starter. I didn't. I was like, "Where the heck was he standing?" It took him nine minutes to get to the ball. You know, and Soto. I don't even think he wanted to go home. I think he wanted to stop at third. I didn't think he had. I don't know if he, you know, he thought he had enough to actually make it home. Mm-hmm. Oxygen wise, I meant. Yeah. By well, the, way, the kid missed the cutoff. That was the key. Uh, if he would have hit the cutoff, I don't know if uh, my good friend Ivan DeJesus, the third base coach, would have uh, put the brakes on. But uh, the guy missed the cutoff throw, and that was Soto goes home. 
which probably would have meant that game still would have been going because oh, I don't think goodness. anybody was going to score in that game. My goodness, nobody wanted to hit the ball. How about Big Z, Carlos Zambrano? He's got a 10-game winning streak. He didn't get the win last night. Uh-uh. But he's got a 10-game winning streak since last year, ever since yeah. he went to the, uh, you know, get a little... management classes. Yes. I he's wonder if he like, went to the same ones like Tyler Durden went to. I would love to be in those classes. Tyler who? Uh, have you ever seen the movie Fight Club, Coach? No. Okay. You're missing out. One of the great movies of all time. Okay. But like, So last week, uh, Carlos uh, Zambrano takes a little heat around town. But, oh, yeah, he... Yeah, he got a, a win for pitching six innings, gave up five runs, you know, yeah, but, you know, it looks like he imploded. Well, how about yesterday? He gets a no decision, and he gives eight shutout innings, and he, mm-hmm. and he looks awesome. But then again, it was the Padres. You're supposed to be our number one pitcher. You should dominate them, but he did. Eight innings, shut mm-hmm. up all the excellent coaches. Three hits, ten strikes, and I will tell you this, and Tim Stolfer, the uh, pitcher for San Diego, pitched very well. But they were aided by a couple of things. One, I think a lot of the hitters were semi disinterested in actually making contact last night because yeah. it was so freaking cold. And two, the umpire. The head umpire, he definitely, considering the cold, he expanded that strike zone. He said, hey, you knuckleheads, it is cold. Let's get out of here. Swing the damn bat. And, I mean, he extended that strike zone. For both pitchers, he was fair. Yeah. But he clearly was making a wider strike zone because of the weather. Yes, absolutely, Coach. And, and you know what? If it's consistent, Yep. Just shake your head. Yeah, you better mm-hmm. swing the bat. Swing the bat. It's, yep. it's not that difficult. Eight innings, three hits, ten strikeouts for Carlos Zambrano, big dog. Definitely a good sign for your uh, 500 now. Eight and eight Chicago Cup. Yeah, and coach, I, I have said it for years when they when they were old and slow and they and they were an average team mm-hmm. that I was discussing with them. Well, you know what? If they're average but they're they're young and hopeful, then all of a sudden it's a lot more fun to watch this team. Okay. You know what I mean? And this year's been—I know they're eight and eight, but they're they're a, a fun eight and eight to watch so yep. far. And and I I can really see good things for the future mm-hmm. of the way the organization is going right now, especially yeah. with kids like with Barney and, and Castro. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and how about Soriano? I, you know how I have punished him. Soriano is playing extremely solid baseball right now for the well. Yes and no. He's still, and I've been an Alfonso Soriano supporter, but I got to tell you, I've, I've been a basher. I've been the yeah, but I am getting very near the end of my leash, and it's probably a long, long leash because he's been doing this for years of swinging at that damn outside pitch with two strikes. Well, you, I mean, you know, coach, it, it, to me, it, it really does seem like he is playing so much more. Like he finally realized that he was an idiot for years, and now he's not doing so many stupid things. And and I think he can maybe give the he's got. Four more seasons with the Cubs. Mm-hmm. How many? He's got four this year and three more. Wow. Wow. It's a scary you know, thought. That's why, that's why I kinda, he can't give up on the guy. He's got three more seasons after this one. It's part of the and family. Hopefully this rebuilding plan, they're uh-huh. better. They're, you know, they're contending for a world championship before he's out of here. Wow. I thought it was only, believe it? I thought it was only a couple of more. I know Kosuke Fukudome's contract after this year, right? It's done. Yeah, he's up. But he's Al- definitely up. Alfonso's got this year and three more years. All right. Well. He signed an eight-year deal, and 07 was his first year. So Happy days are here again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. Oh, by the way, I would like to add one more player to your uh, Darwin Barney, Starlin Castro. And could we throw in, to a certain extent, Tyler Colvin? Yeah, yeah. And, I, you know, I think like Tyler this Colvin – is going to be a solid run producer. I, mm-hmm. he's, I don't I see him as an all-star, but I, I can imagine him as yeah. a left fielder of a very, very good Cub team. As, mm-hmm. you know, so 
Yeah, maybe we can learn the lesson from uh, the guy we just uh, maxed out our, our, our uh, compliments to, Mr. Sam Fulton. You got a guy like Tyler Colvin, similar to Sam Fulton. The guy can hit. He's a decent fielder. You know, he'll be a nice backup. But you kind of gets boxed into a certain role. Let Tyler Colvin play. And I was talking to a, a Cubs fan yesterday who said, you know, and this was not an insult to Carlos Pena. He wasn't criticizing Pena. He said, what the hell are the Cubs doing spending $10 million for Carlos Pena? Yeah, and just you got Tyler Colvin at first base. Yeah. And, you know, this guy Absolutely. said, uh, he might have exaggerated. He said, Colvin will hit you 25, 30, maybe more homers a season. I'm not convinced on that, but I think his point was well taken. Spend the $10 million elsewhere. Let Tyler Colvin play three-fourths of the games. Coach, absolutely. The Cubs would be so much better off as, as an organization if Tyler Colvin was going to get 700 plate appearances as their first baseman. There's, I, I really truly believe that. First of all, he's going to hit better than Carlos Pena. And secondly, and more importantly, we're going to find out if he is like a peg hole guy that you play against right-handed batters, he, uh, pitchers, he has to play left field, he's a good player. Mm-hmm. He's good enough to be on your roster, but you you can't build anything around him. Or is he that guy that can hit 25 home runs and hit 300? Yeah, we really need to find this stuff out. But instead, we're going to have to deal with a guy that's going to struggle to hit 222 this season and strike out probably twice as many times as he drives and runs. At least it'll be two to one strikeouts. Uh, you know, again, my my comment was not so much a criticism of Carlos Pena. I actually like. I need to see him play more. I like his attitude. He's given the team some leadership. He seems like a good, solid guy. It's just that uh, I'm I not like his sure. attitude. I like his glove. Yep. But I don't like his hitting approach. And, Coach, he's not going to be around here when the Cubs are good. So yep. I didn't see why to bring him in for one year. Especially at $10 mm-hmm. million. Dollars, a guy that's going to strike out once every three times at bat, Coach. $10 million, that's a lot of money for a guy that's going to leave the bases totally unmoved one at every three times when he comes to the play. Mm-hmm. No question about it. No question. Big dog, real quick, let's get to some other baseball games from yesterday. A little segment we do, you know, if not each and every day, at least most of the days here, our baseball round them up and wrap them up. Starting over in the uh, American League, Big Dog, Boston knocked off Toronto 9-1. to Our good friend, Daisuke Matsuzaki, who might be a guest on tomorrow's show. I'm not sure we're trying to uh, get Daisuke on. But Boston has now won three in a row. They're only 5-10, and 10, Big Dog, but it looks like the Red Sox might be back on track. Uh, Coach, one of the coolest traditions in all uh, of American sports is the 10 o'clock in the morning start of the Patriots Day game, and I'm going to go to it one day. How cool is that? 10 a.m., you're at the ballpark. They do it one time a year. They do it every Patriots Day. They have a big festivities. You bring your kids out to those games of a few less drunks. It's more of a family day. (laughs) I mean, what a... I would, Even though if I went there, trust me, I'd be, hit every, I'd be having breakfast uh-huh. and a beer or something right next to the ballpark when yeah. I do this. A couple of Bloody Marys and watch Dice Game Matt Suzuki pitch. There's nothing more patriotic than that. Uh, honestly, Coach. <laughs> I was not aware yesterday was Patriot Day. And by the way, what in, is Patriot honor, Day? In, in, in honor of the people that have, were affected by the earthquake tsunami yes. in Japan, yes. Dice Game Matsuzaka has quit pitching in honor of the people of... Uh, really? Yeah. He says that he, he, he no longer is going to pitch an island because he's been so bad. But yesterday he was good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yesterday his best, his best outing in 40 appearances was yesterday. Maybe, so maybe he, he got together with the Cleveland uh, star hitter Shin Shu Shu, who said in honor of the, apparently in honor of the Cleveland, or the, uh, in honor of the earthquake survivors in Japan that he would stop hitting for the first two weeks of the season. And considering he's Korean, that's, that's a bold statement. <laughs> Stop it. 
Uh, Minnesota knocked off Baltimore. Big dog five to two of significance here is A, the Orioles, who started off quick. Baltimore is back. Buck Showalter turning around. Not happening. Eight losses in a row for the beloved Orioles and the Minnesota Twins, it might not be their year, but uh, significantly they've changed their closer. Joe Nathan is out. Matt Caps, two saves in a row for the Twins. Uh, the, the Twins eventually will turn it around. Joe I'm Nathan will so eventually sure. get his arm strength back. It's been a year since he had the surgery, so I thought that was kind of bold for him to admit that he isn't ready yet. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, Coach, I wasn't sold on the Orioles. Yeah, they're, they're coming back down to earth. I don't think they're as bad as they've looked the last, like, no. Ten days, because they've be. looked pretty bad. 11, 11 runs in seven games. But I, I, I mean, do see the, the Orioles, too. What? They, they, they almost lost 100 last year. I see them only losing 89 this year. But the, go, the arrows pointed in the right direction for the first time in a long time right. in Baltimore. Many of our listeners in the Baltimore, Washington, D.C. area, glad to hear you say that, Big Doug, because you haven't... Uh, you haven't said many positive things about our nation's capital of late, so uh, thank you on behalf of the fans. Hey, well, uh, what, they haven't had a winning season since, like, 97? They've, the Orioles have had some bad years, Coach, mm-hmm. for a long time. I, I, next year is the year that they'll have a winning season. won't there be this go. year. Texas knocks off Anaheim 7-1. to one. Rangers cool off the Red Hot Angels, who had won five in a row. C.J. Wilson does his thing. And Adrian Beltre, pretty good pickup, big dog. He's got his... Uh, Hit a three-run homer yesterday. I think 16 RBIs in 16 games. That's a pretty good pace. Wow, yeah. And uh, typically Adrian Beltre is the guy who is horrible after he signs a new contract and is incredible in contract. Here. Not, so I'm, I'm not so far. Surprised. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm surprised this time because, I mean, this is he doesn't have to be good for another uh, sign another contract for four years. So I'm surprised he's starting out like this. So mm-hmm. that's kind of, kind of surprising. And, the Texas Rangers actually were dancing in the streets when they found out they won't be facing Weaver and Heron in the same series. Yeah, they weren't dancing, and those weren't streets. Those were more like avenues. Oh, okay. But it was close enough. Cleveland and Kansas City, speaking of surprising teams, big dog. Cleveland, both those teams are surprising, but Cleveland a little bit more surprising. They went in 10 innings, score was 3-3. Three to three. They put up a four spot. In the top of 10, they win the ball game 7-3. to three. Cleveland tied for the best record in baseball. Let me say that again. Cleveland tied. For the best record in baseball, let me say that one more time. It feels good to say Cleveland tied for the best record in baseball, 12-4. and four. Amazing. Yeah, and, and they got Grady Sizemore back who's yes. healthy. Now, th- this could mean anything. You never know. Maybe he is finished, and they're the 12-4 and four team that's got great pitching and really good defense mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and have a lot of speed, or, or Grady Sizemore. All of a sudden, that, that he finally got his knee healed and he is healthy. And all of a sudden, you got a leadoff hitter who's only going to hit, you know, 270, but he'll be on base 40% of the time and is going to hit 30 homers for you in play. He was a gold glove, great center fielder a few years ago. So mm-hmm. if he's only lost a little bit and is just a really, really, really good outfielder now, Cleveland could, this could end up being one of those magical runs for him, coach. Let's see how long it lasts. We will see how long it lasts. I don't know if you've heard Bob Dylan's new uh, CD that's come out, but I think the ninth song of the 12 track CD, The Ballad of Grady Sizemore. Not well, sure if you. I'm definitely going to check that one out. Yeah, it's, it's kind of uh, the answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. It's kind of a remake of that done to Grady is Sizemore. It, is there a song on there about Travis Hafner? Because <laughs> guy who had a slugging percentage of like 680, and I'm not kidding. Yeah. A couple of years ago, Coach, he had one of the most phenomenal seasons, uh, you know, in the in the midst of the whole the roid rage thing. And, yes. But uh, 
I'm not saying he was on the roids, but he had like a 680 slugging percentage one season. Mm-hmm. So, and he's all of a sudden healthy. Yep. So you get him and Shinso Shu and Grady Sizemore and then Cabrera's because you're okay, and then the Hanrahan. If they keep on getting this relief pitching coach with all that power and speed in their lineup, they're good. Just like that, the Indians are back. Mm-hmm. All right, very good. Let's go quickly to the National League and. Uh... Pittsburgh knocked off Cincinnati 9-3. to Pittsburgh is 8-8, eight and, eight, and I bring that up because I look at the National League Central Division, Big Dog. And by the way, baseball fans, you want to check in. Phone lines are open. Talk about your favorite team. We here in Chicago are vent for the Cubs and Sox, of course, but we can uh, wax poetic on any of the major league teams out there. 888-463-6748, the phone number. Big Dog, Pittsburgh at 8-8. Eight eight. You look at the National League Central Division, or, uh, yeah, Central Division, 5 Teams all within one game of each other. I don't know if that's a trend that will continue, but uh, you talk about a tight race right there for you. Well, you know, it definitely could because there are a lot of teams that are are very similar. Like they have strengths, but they also have uh, very, very big weaknesses. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if if it's close all season long. But I, I would have to say the Reds, have the fewest weaknesses yep. of any of the teams. So they, they should be able to separate, and it's early, but so far uh, they're only a game up four other teams. Brew Crew, the Cubs, St. Louis, and Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh all at 8-8. Eight eight. Uh, Coach, uh, Pittsburgh has been fun to watch. And maybe Pittsburgh has finally gotten it, Coach. Yep. They're grooming. like The position players that they're getting are like the speedsters. The guys are going to have decent batting averages with good arms and and, and a lot of speed, and they can play great defense, mm-hmm. which when those guys come up for their arbitration years, Pittsburgh can afford to pay those guys $4.5, 5000000 a year as opposed to some other guy that they're going to have to pay $10 million a year to that yeah. is going to hit 35 home runs to strike out 100. Let's hope so. On behalf of the Pittsburgh them. fan, don't don't trade away your good young players. My point is that they're, they're actually having players that help you yeah. win more games but actually are cheaper. That's like yep. the crazy thing I've always found good. about baseball is your really quality ball players typically are cheaper uh-huh. Then guys that maybe good. hit 40 home runs, it's but a, strike out all the time. It's a good trend. I hope owners hear what you are saying. I hope owners notice the same thing, and then they won't pay the ridiculous salaries to some of these players. The salaries, maybe, if people take that logical, come down a little bit, and then, God forbid, the ticket prices could come down a little bit as well. If, if you think about it, who's who's a better ball player, Marlon Bird or Alfonso Soriano? Close. Did you really think it is? Uh, Mar- Marlon Bird, I think, is a little better. Yeah, and and but Marlon Bird comes to the package of well, he makes contact offensively. He, you know, he's a, he can hit situationally, and he's a really sound, fundamentally defensive player. You pay that guy. Oh yeah. well, he's you, you pay somebody like that five million a year. Oh, Alfonso Soriano, he's going to strike out a lot, but he hits the ball in the ballpark. What are we going to do with this guy? Well, he really can't feel that all, but man, he can hit the ball in the ballpark. Let's give him seventeen million a season. And then when the by the time the season's done, you look at who helped you win more games. Mm-hmm. It was the fundamentally sound guy, who maybe only hit half the amount of home runs, but in the long run, that guy was helping you win every single ball game. Where once every five days, Soriano hit a home run that really helped your mm-hmm. team win a game. I completely agree. From 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 your mouth to the ears and minds of the Major League Baseball owners, that's all we can hope. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I only care about one of them, coach, and that's the Chicago Cubs. Mm-hmm. Well, you're because you're a selfish individual. Well, I tend to look at uh, mankind as a whole and try to better not just my own family, but mankind as a whole. And well, I, could you, can we at least let the Cubs win a World Series? 
All right. Once the Cubs win, then you'll then you'll look at mankind a little more wholesome. Yeah, I, d- I definitely okay. will, Coach. Okay. Well, uh, this could be our year, Big Dog. After a hundred and two year wait, this could be our year. I don't don't even let me think that way. Just... <laughs> Let's not even talk that way. Though. All right. Dole, we got to sign off. We appreciate everybody out there listening. Uh, for the female fans out there, Big Dog is young, single, still somewhat eligible. Well, two out of three is not bad. Where might the female find, fans find you on a beautiful Tuesday in Chicago? I'm going to be a lower whacker today, Coach. <laughs> Could you be more specific? Uh, lower whacker and well. I thought lower whacker is closed for construction. Well, I'll probably be there. <laughs> Nicely played. Dog, we'll talk to you tomorrow at 10. Don't be late, okay? All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. David Olson, producer extraordinaire. Tomorrow at 10, two guys at a mic, talkzone.com, signing off.